Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. Hey, Chris, it's great to see you today. Yeah, thanks for having me there, Drew. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Um, you yeah, know, the, the, the first, the, when I was introduced uh, to you or, or somebody said, you got to talk to Chris, when I looked you up and I saw Embodiment Coach, <laughs> I did look it up. I still wanted to hear it from from the person because I loved when we talked the last time when you explained that yeah. to me. So, so I guess we can get to it. I always like to learn about how a person got to where they are because we know that life is not linear um and i'm sure yours wasn't a straight path to where you are now yeah i mean um you know there's a long journey along the way but really the short firm form i guess would be at 13 i was in a serious car accident and almost died and it was really in that moment that you know my life kind of shifted from you know you know being a kid to really transforming to want to help people. There was like this mm. dramatic shift in me that, you know, had this desire to help. And it was a kind of more intuitive. It wasn't something I overtly saw of myself, but family and friends had said, noticed that in me, you know, and had said that. And um, once I graduated, went to high school, there's two things I loved. I loved sports and I loved science. And so I'm like, I knew that was something more. I didn't know what I wanted to do, you know, something in the health field, whether it was medicine or pharmacology or physical therapy there really was like no defined idea and so i just kind of amalgamated two and i went to sports um exercise science so i mm -hmm. took exercise science in university but more the science base so it's not like your typical like kinesiology of learning vectors this was about how the body formed and exercise and there was a um what i loved about there was i loved about that there was a my professor was a psychologist, a sports psychologist. Mm -hmm. He had a doctorate in sports psychology. So really delve into like the sports psychology around, you know, sport about how even this was in the nineties of how athletes were already thinking using mindset back then visualization uh, pitchers were already visualization, uh, visualizing pitches, mm -hmm. you know, basketball players, golf was really big at the time of visualizing golf swings. And this was in the 1990s, late, uh, early 1990s, late 1990s. And, you know, that fascinated me. So psychology started to fascinate me. So um, anyway, my mom was seeing a chiropractor and, you know, that philosophy of like natural was really kind of coinciding with what was happening in high school, in university for me with like, you know, the placebo effect and how the, the body, you know, exercise can transform the body in so many different ways from changing, you know, blood pressure to, you know, heart rate to, you know, all the benefits of exercise that we all know. And so I was like, I love that natural, that, that, that the natural healing that chiropractic brought. So I was like, I researched the heck out of it, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is what I want to do. So I looked up like every school and I'm going to St. Louis and um, in school, I realized that uh, in chiropractic school, that chiropractic can help 75% to 75% of people. And, you know, what I didn't tell you is I had this, you know, like a lot of kids had this why, but my why never stopped. Like I always was like, why, you know, questioning, why, why does that happen? You know, yeah. you know, anything from religion to like, you know, why do, you know, um, cows don't climb. And I'm like, well, cows climb and I had to research. I'm just like, if someone says something to me, I'm like, 
why? And I have to look that up. It's just it's a neat thing that I always had to understand why. Do you, so I do you, understand. Do you think that you had that that ability way back uh, when you were thirteen before the car accident? Yeah. So I remember like um, driving with my dad. I was maybe like oh, five. I remember like asking a lot of why, like why, dad? What? Like I remember driving to camp, and I'm sure should uh, you know. Um, you know, drove my dad crazy with all the why questions about like, why does the sun go down? And why is the sun, you know, just different things about why, you know, and a lot of kids had why questions, but that never ended for me as I got older. No question you know, for you. Question for you. I'm very curious as to your father's res reaction or response when you asked why, because at that young age at five, Chris, yeah. it's going to be crucial how your role model like your dad is going to respond to that. Because I've talked to other people where their father would say, well, stop asking questions. Right. Now. You know, and I, yeah, you're right. And I, you know, and I don't, you know, I, I know that he never like, you know, stopped me. I guess I, that was one thing I do remember um, that I, you know, I, I don't remember him saying enough questions. And I know that that would be a typical response, but I don't remember that ever like stopping me. I do remember one time I was like five or six, you know, and my dad, you know, I love playing hockey. You know, I'm Canadian, so born to play hockey. Right. And uh, I was coming back from the rink, and my dad had made a comment about my play. And I do remember speaking up to my dad, and I said, look, if you have nothing nice to say, then then don't. I don't want to hear it. And I was young, and I don't know where that came mm -hmm. from. It was this, this right. little five- or six-year-old, or six or maybe seven. And uh, he never commented again my entire hockey life until like high school i was playing mm -hmm. high school hockey and this one guy the same defenseman like it was like a one-on-one -on -one and twice he just ran into me hard he was a big guy and yeah. i'm little and my dad just said a uh, rough game eh? and i said oh it was never um you know uh but that was the only time i remember my childhood and of him like criticizing me and 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 being my own being a coach later in life yeah. coaching kids and you know, seeing what some of these kids go through with their dad, you Absolutely. know, like, F this, F that, yeah. you F an idiot, you know, right. like, you know, it's, it's, it's sad that parents do that. You know, That's they live true. through their kids. That's true. And I'm like, or they come to me and I'm like, complain about ice time or practice. Mm -hmm. well, right. Come on out. Let's see you. Yep. Well, I don't know how to skate. Well, well there then, you go. <laughs> you know, hockey mm -hmm. isn't, you know, based on, you know, your favorite hockey team. And I see that right. you know, even now, even now I play hockey and with guys that can't skate, but you know, we play ball hockey and they've got tons of recommendations and coaching. I'm like, you've never played the game. I just, yeah. it's hard to, hard to listen to someone. It's like, if you haven't you know, done the, done the right. job, like I, I give you a credit. I give you got a credit, credit, Chris, uh, you and your father. Absolutely. And, and obviously I'm going to theorize that, that you really trusted your dad because at that age of five to stand up and say, if you're going to, I mean, and good for your dad to have that relationship with you. So uh, I truly believe that that, that experience enabled you to continue asking why as you got older, which is a testament to your relationship with your father. Cause you know, for, for other, and my dad was supportive too. Um, he would always ask me, you know, why are you bucking the system? Cause I would ask why. And I said, it's not just that dad, I'm curious. Once right. he heard that I was curious, boy, did he support the wise. Awesome. Yeah. That's good. That's, uh, yeah, kind of, um, yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good reminder. Yeah, yeah. thank you.
Absolutely. So, so now you're, you're 13. Tell me about a little bit about the car accident and, and what happened and how you got yourself through that at such a young age that, that really changed, had that transformation afterwards. Yeah. I mean, um, my grandmother had fallen asleep at the wheel and, um, you know, in the, in, you know, depends on where you live, but some of the rockier places, they, you know, back in, you know, many, many, you know, decades ago, they would drive over and on the mountains, but now they, you know, blast through them. So when they blast through them, it leaves little rock cuts. And my mm. grandmother had fallen asleep and kind of steered off the road and hit one of these rock cuts. And, um, and I looked actually the best. I had a, a laceration on my forehead, so a big cut on my forehead because my head hit the uh, the seat in front, which back then had uh, you know cigarette uh, lighters mm-hmm. in it, like the, oh boy. Yep. the ashtrays. Sorry, yep. you know. So my oh, head hit yeah. that, mm-hmm. but it was the seatbelt. I had fallen asleep, and my and so I was slouching, and where the seatbelt kind of you know had landed wasn't on my hips where they're supposed to be. It was more on my belly. So I ended up lacerating my um, or cutting my my bowels in three different places. Wow. And, um, and, and so I went to the hospital and, and they couldn't find out uh, what was going on. Uh, and so they did an exploratory surgery. They found the, eventually found the cuts and I was sent to the intensive care. And in there, I just was never really getting better. And so I, I don't know the whole specifics. I know my yeah. mom had told me the specifics yeah. in around there, but eventually the, um, Nurses were worried. Um, uh, a nun had even come to my mom and dad and said, look, you really have to get a second opinion. And that's something you don't do. You don't question doctors, at least right. back then. Mm-hmm. And so my parents were a little bit nervous and they're like, look, we're talking hours now. Like you need to get a second opinion. So finally, once the nurse came and my parents were religious, you know, they were like, okay. And so they went and talked to the doctor that did the surgery and then he came and, you know, did some th- something. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. next thing you know, that was what needed. And I guess I was septic. Maybe I think there was an infection or something. Sure. And, um, and so uh, everything settled. And within a few days I was out of the hospital, but it wasn't until that doctor made that change. Wow. And how was your grandmother after that car accident? Um, Yeah. My grandmother, she was older, so she broke a lot of bones, but uh, yeah, I mean, Okay. I think it helped her. I mean, I think, you know, I'm, you know, I don't know her person, you know, no, didn't talk to her personally, but I think emotionally she was, you know, hurt by it. You know, obviously, you know, um, having hurt myself and my daughter or my Mm -hmm. daughter, my sister, Yeah. you know, and, um, you know, and we were a big part of her life. So I think, you know, probably, of course, but yeah, she's, she's everything, everyone's fine. All right, thank goodness. So coming through that, you're physically okay. So tell me this transformation, how you how you were yeah. di- people noticed you were different after this. Yeah, again, it was something I like I didn't see in myself until like I got a little older, but it was just like how I was acting. It was acting differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was more helpful around the house, more, you know, um yeah, just they people were noticing it. Like my okay. family was really significant in noticing it, and so they said it later. Like I was like, "Oh, really? I didn't notice." And but then I was already kind of started to move into that healing arts already with mm-hmm. chiropractic and stuff. Yeah. Wonderful. All right, so yeah, so tell me about later in life with the the chiropractic. I want to hear hear more yeah, about. So your, yeah, your so your in growth. chiropractic, yeah, really wanted to. I wanted to help everybody. You know, even mm-hmm. to this day, like if I can, you know, help 
one person one time and you know that's all i need that's you know like my ideal world mm-hmm. you know but it's always been about how can i best serve people mm-hmm. and in chiropractic you know there was a you know asking why like if i got you better why do you have to keep coming back mm-hmm. and so and so when i heard that you know chiro- chiropractic can help 75% of 75% of the people i'm like i want to help everyone so i'm like i need to study like every chiropractic technique i could mm-hmm. so i started studying you know and i studied probably in at least 20 I studied acupuncture and all sorts. I could name them all, a whole bunch of them. And once I graduated, I was still studying them. Mm-hmm. Why? Because, you know, I wanted to help more people, not just, you know, that 75% of 75. Right. And uh, once I graduated, my mom was then started seeing somebody else who was doing something a little bit more esoteric, a little bit different. But it was from the chiropractic family because a chiropractor created it, but it wasn't chiropractic because mm-hmm. it wasn't treating or manipulating the bones and, so I had some time after graduating where I was waiting to move to Kentucky mm-hmm. to practice. And um, the guy's like, well, you want to learn this? And I was like, yeah. So I, I ended up, you know, uh, in that time I studied it and learned it. And then uh, eventually I just forgo chiropractic. I was going to put it off for a bit because mm. I was getting better results. And in then I was still asking why, you know? Um, and so having learned so much, I'd learned at that point, I was, you know, I studied so many chiropractic techniques and I was continued learning and I was applying so much. I just ended up creating my own technique and it's oh, more wow. based on right. energy where, you know, and, and, and if I was going to be fully clear, I think most therapies deals with energy in some level, even chiropractic. I don't, I don't think you're actually moving that bone, the right bone every time. And, and so there's some energy involved in most of most any kind of healing arts. And I think even with medical medicine, I think that's what's missing is that, you know, that energetic component where the doctor used to like actually care about their patient, mm-hmm. rather than, like, Absolutely. make it a number, make it a dollar sign, you know, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and even the art of chiropractic and some, you know, chiropractors, it's the art of money. Like how many more can I get right. in the door right. and, you know, not to disparage them, you know, but it's, I think it's more than just the adjustment. It's, you know, that adds more value And what I was noticing People were still getting better. Some I'd never see again. Some are like would come in with other issues. Some I'd kind of see once in a while, and some were still like that, rep- like constant, like every six weeks. And and a, one guy was a great, you know, you know, you talk about role models. A lot of my role models were like clients that were teaching me. And this one gentleman was a great teaching moment for me in learning. Is you know he him and his wife would come in and bicker, and they would bicker in the waiting room. I would see him. He would bicker about her. He would see her bicker about him. But the interesting thing was him is he hated his job. Like he had like, he knew to the day when he was going to retire. And I'm not talking like, you know, um, you know, I got three more weeks. It was like, like 604 more days. Like you were talking years away. Right. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. Right. So he, that's so much he hated his job. And so what was interesting is that he was like, Chris, you know, and he had referred like a lot of people. He's like, you know, and he mentioned like such and such, you know, they don't come back anymore. Like they got better. Like, how come I'm like, you know, still every coming every four to six weeks, when will I ever like get to that point? And I said, well, when you retire, because I knew that the stress of his job was this ongoing story that he creates this pain. It's like a, you know, this hamster on his wheel. And sure enough, he retired. And then, like I said, he stopped coming in. 
he had hurt his back one time moving something came in but realistically he wasn't coming in like that constant every four to six weeks and and um and then one thing happened so that was about about 18 months his wife retired and then he he started started coming in again Oh, that's a big piece of data there. Right. So that, along with this other lady I'd worked with who had been abused by her uncle, those two were like big moment, like aha moment, how mm. emotions played a role. Mm-hmm. And so then I started to really dive into how emotions played in a role okay. into our bodies. And, you know, I was working on it before it was really like um, something that's normal. Like we talk about normal. Right. So I would use, and luckily I had that, background in chiropractic because i would talk about you know mm. this being off and this being off you know from right. a structural standpoint or organs being out of balance just to help people get it through their head but a lot of it was me working through emotional stuff that actually then fixed the back pain and i was right. knew that that was on to something mm. and that was really my you know kind of dip into like emotions affected people from either getting better or fully you know uh, that's stopping them from getting better or, you know, getting to that point of just like, couldn't get beyond that. Right. Whereas like I had a lady who was in a car accident. She was a lawyer. She was in a cab. The cab uh, hits something related to the city. Cause she was suing the city, the cab company, man, some, somebody else. And she's like, Chris, like it's better, way better, but it's not getting to the point. It's going to be gone. When's it going to be gone? I'm like after the court case, because, mm. You can't be as, especially as a lawyer, knowing you can't be a victim to a story nope. and not have any kind of pain. Absolutely. You know, so uh, those are all key indicators like, oh, how emotions played a role. And so that's really where I kind of focus now on really helping people because I started, you know, working on myself because I've seen what's happened with other people. Mm-hmm. And I realized like I had my own stuff to deal right, with. Right, I was absolutely. going through my own stuff with, with business and relationships and right. uh, friendships and, you know, you know, things related to money, to, you know, mm-hmm. you name it. We got like right. such a story around these stuff. Absolutely. And uh, so then I started working on my own stuff, taking workshops and I was applying a lot of stuff that I, you know, through my clients. And, and so I created my own technique that, you know, where I teach people to get in their bodies. We're so much in our heads. Yes. And it's really just kind of getting to our bodies. We're, yes. we're much more than our bodies, right? Yes. We're much more than our thinking. Mm-hmm. So really what's, what are we? Well, we're this, we're this, that, you know, that spirit, that essence, you know, that it's the voice that's listening to that critique of yourself when you think you're fat, right? Who's thinking of that thought of who you're fat? That's who Mm -hmm. you really are. And that resides deep within your bodies. So I teach people to get into that space so they can Mm -hmm. actually be more present. Right. When you're actually present, you can be, you're a better listener, right? right? Uh, A better receiver, a better human, and then you can actually heal yourself. You can actually be aware of what's going on in your body. Yes. And that's really teach people. You know, it's fascinating. We go back to when these people ask you, when is this going to stop? For you, being able to find that one concrete thing that they can control when you retire, when the court case is over, something they can tangibly do, right, right there, you're anchoring that thought into their head. So once it's done, that they help heal themselves. 100%. And, and I, I think that's fascinating, but it's important for the audience to, to know that 85% of physical ailments stem from internal stressors that have not been addressed. It's yeah. like the body saying, hey, all right, 
you're not going to take care of this stress. I'm going to give you some physical yeah. ailments so you so you notice it because we're much more aware of physical pain right. than we are mental pain. And I would suggest even that other fifteen percent. Yeah, that we might say, oh, it's because of a car accident. I would, or because of something else yeah. external. Right. right. You know, if you know how far you want to go down, you know the the hole is that. Right. You know, to me you created that car accident for that change in you. Mm -hmm. So what's there to gain from this car accident? What's there to, yes. to learn? Absolutely. What's there, what's that teaching you? Mm -hmm. And so for me, that car accident was, you know, a big turning point in my life, mm -hmm. my car accident, right. you know, going through a relationship issue with my wife and, you know, my ex-wife now, but, you know, going through that was a big turning, turning point. Whereas right. Right. that was a big eye opener. And mm -hmm. what people often fail to do is look at it as like, what can I learn from this? Absolutely. What's Absolutely. this, what's this teaching me, rather, you know, flip it around and rather be a victim. And, you know, I see this so, so much and it, you know, it just drives me crazy. Like you just throw narcissism. Like right. it's like coming out of style and you know, that less than 6% or about less than 7% of people have are, are truly considered narcissist. Okay. But if I were to, if I were to put it out there, but everyone's a narcissist, like, Oh yeah. Talk, everyone's I'll a narcissist. say that. Yep. Yeah, it's it's more that people have narcissistic tendencies rather than being right. a, a right. narcissist. Yes. So absolutely. if you actually look it up, yeah, we're all narcissists. Yeah. Because if you look through the you know, the, the, the like the sheet of being a true narcissist has like yeah. you know different you know there's a good ten or twelve traits. Right. Right. I can right. I can guarantee you have at least three of those traits. Oh, absolutely. And you know you, right. so, that's a very good point, Chris. And I think a lot of times too we put labels on things so we 100%. can blame something, right? And be the victim, right? If it's right. it's not me, so it must right. be that person. They have this characteristic, right. so it's their fault. And right. I think, that, like you said, the quicker the quicker we can be accountable for our thoughts, right. The quicker we can help heal our body, <laughs> right? Absolutely, and and take responsibility, right? Because then yeah, it's like absolutely. If you're looking outside, if you keep look, oh, it was I was in a toxic relationship. Well, mm -hmm. it didn't start off toxic. Mm -hmm. You know, when it first started out, you're having sex uh, everywhere, including the chandelier. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, it didn't start off that way. Right. And then all of a sudden, it became toxic. So what changed? What changed? Oh, he changed or she changed. Well. Mm -hmm. What what did you do differently? How did you you know react differently in this relationship? Right. And so even in my my marriage, you know, you know, my wife went and had an affair, and I got the I love you, but I you know I, I love you, but I don't um, love you, but I don't love you, whatever you know. I'm not in love with you, but I love you. That thing, whatever. That's, yeah, that yeah. story. Yeah. You know, and um, and so it's easy for me to sit there. I could have been easy to say, oh well, you know. And there was a moment in my life where I, you know, right, you know, in that moment. Whereas like, oh, she's a narcissist. She's this, she's that. Right. She's a, you know, a psychopath. She's whatever. She's, you know, you put the word on there. I could have easily said, right. I went there and I just chose to, well, that's when I, you know, did my own work and like realized, like, Chris, you're, what are you responsible for? And I flipped the switch and I said, mm -hmm. okay, you're right. And I looked at like, you know, she did what she did and I can't change that. And, and, and she's her own agency. So it's not like me taking responsibility for that portion right but what i'm taking part for is i contributed to maybe maybe i contributed to how she felt to feel the need that she needed to step right up. right right how did i contribute to that and then i started to look mm -hmm. at like oh yeah i can see that you know i remember yeah, you know a time where you know we just 
she was pregnant at the time and, you know, she had said uh, no to sex and she made a said no to sex many times before, but I just remember this significantly because I remember pouting when she said no, turning over in bed and pouting like a five-year-old. Mm. And that was that same rejection that I experienced as a five-year-old. And so it was this constant, you know, as this is yeah. me you know, putting the work in after and right. recognizing all these times that are contributed to, you know, creating this wall between us, mm -hmm. creating, mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely. this, you know, this, lack of connection, lack of intimacy, lack of, you know, communication, because, mm -hmm. you know, me turning over and, and flipping over and outing like a five-year-old that I can only now know what I know about women. And what I also learned about the difference between the energies of men and women, how we right. respond and act differently, that she took it even worse. Right. That affected her. Greatly that you didn't greatly. respect the fact that right yeah and it was, you took it per personally and you were and she felt me so I she right. felt my rejection so then she yep. felt that and yep. you know she internalized that the feminine mm -hmm. you know and and mm -hmm. I was like mm -hmm. you know looking back like yeah that not only put a block in for me but then that put up blocks for her so now well, it's yeah like, absolutely it's situation that goes yeah. on you make you make a good point too you talk about feminine and masculine how we. We, as a male, we have both feminine and masculine characteristics, and women do too. And the way, the best way to help a human being is to have a balance of both of those characteristics. And and what's unfortunate in society now, we're being told to only have one or the other. And now you're seeing this push for the male to get away from the masculine, and push for the women to get away from the feminine. And we got to cut this stuff out, and we've just got to be who we who we are and understand each other and you find that balance. Right. And, and it's been around a long time between like, you know, the yin and yang and Chinese, yeah, yeah. the, the um, Indian philosophy has like the Shikati and something else. Mm -hmm. They have, they have their own masculine and feminine and it's really just a balance. It's not even, and it's, it's, and it's, it's not even just having to be equal. It's just right. understanding like, Hey, I'm in my masculine, I'm in my feminine and knowing the difference. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if a woman's is constantly in her feminine or or in her f constantly in her masculine, which is that feminine, the feminist movement that's mm -hmm, really happening mm -hmm. is really pushing right. women in their feminine, and it's right. really not. A, or sorry, in their masculine. Yeah, it's really not attractive for men either. And so yeah, it goes both ways. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I was. I tell people we got to get rid of these labels because a woman has every right to be assertive, and a male right. has every right to to ha show emotion and cry. Right. But it's, it's understanding that when she's a search, she doesn't want to be like that mask. And she has to understand that she's in her masculine yeah. because she, she needs to soften and be in her feminine to be attractive to the masculine right? and vice versa. Give because what happens yeah. is, is the men of in, in a lot of relationships, yeah. you know, happy wife, happy life. They become the feminine. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's not attractive to the feminine. Right. Absolutely. Right. And so it's like, oh, well then, you know, he's not mass. They like the feminine love that the leadership, they love the, mm -hmm like the men taking charge. It's not that the women can't. Right, right. And it's attractive when sometimes the woman does. Yes, absolutely. Someone has to lead the relationship. Someone has to, you know, create, you know, that in a relationship. So mm -hmm. it's it's really, you know, the having that understanding of both. Because, you know, a lot of jobs are more masculine driven where the woman comes into a masculine. Fantastic, great. But she comes home, what does she have to do to soften to be more right? Yeah, the key is it's it's all all of that uh the way you are can is temporary. 
You need to be right. fluid and flexible. And right. one moment, it, it, it may merit you to be more in your feminine state, whether you're a male or a female. Right. And a different right. moment in that day, it may right. be more appropriate to, to be in that masculine. So, right. yes, you've got to be able to read read the audience, read the right. atmosphere, right. and, right. and, have to and know act the accordingly. Difference. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And notice that your man is in his feminine. And, yeah. you know, hey, we, we need you to push. And, and, and often women do. But it's like women inherently want you to be your best self. Right. But, you know, part of it is that they've also men have felt like, you know, and that's why I would felt is that, you know, and a lot of men, I'm just not, you know, because I've talked to a lot of men. It's like you've been wrong or she's made you wrong or at least mm. you felt she's made you wrong right, for so right. long that you couldn't make a choice. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, so mm. she's trying to push you to lead a relationship to like, hey, where do you want to go for dinner? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I've been wrong every time, so I'm not going to, I don't care where we go. Right. And then we end where up saying you, wherever you want to go or what do you want for dinner, whatever you want. Yeah. Whatever you want. So, yes. So it, and you hit on a point because that's where it's very important to know yourself well. So when you are attracting a significant other, it's somebody who's going to love you for who you are and respect your thoughts for those right. thoughts rather than want to change you and vice versa. And we right. need to, that, that, I think that's so important because there are many men, and I'm sure many women too, who have attracted not the right person for them. And right, I mean, they're not going to knock you down as opposed to bring you up. Right. So if you're with somebody who, who more often than not are going to knock you down, you're going to say, screw it. I, I'm not being honest or being emotionally vulnerable with this right. person. I'm holding it in. Right. And, and, yeah. But that starts, you know, because of a breakdown in the relationship Absolutely. because of a lot of, a lot of things. Yes. And culmination. Yeah. And it's, it's not about right or wrong. I think it's, you know, I would suggest that some people is like realizing that this is where we're at. And like, as a marriage, you know, if you, you know, Gottman's, you know, marriage is, you know, seven, five steps, right. Or seven steps mm-hmm. where they're always, they go through that process of like marriage kind of hits a point of like, it's either going to break down. Mm-hmm. There's an affair, of some sort, or they're going to be. Yeah. But a lot of marriages go through that point of like, oh my god, it's like that critical point of like, we got to make a difference here. We got to yes. change. Absolutely. And then it kind of goes back into that as you kind of work through it. It's like wow, you kind of go back to that stage of like mm-hmm. that first few years of like marriage where it's like the you know the get to know the excitement again, yeah. the joy. Yeah. But you got to get through that work stage that works absolutely it's it's you know, work you have to realize like oh my god and a lot of times people it's a lot easier just to throw it away start again yes and that's, what, that, that's what's been happening a lot and look for that uh those early dating things were a lot of fun where you're getting to know each other right 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 so question for you so i see that you're an embodiment coach so yeah. the next thing we'll do i want to hear about what does that mean and then, uh, then we'll let the audience know a little more about how to reach you. And I got a last yeah. final two questions. So tell me, what's an embodiment yeah. coach? Yeah, I kind of alluded to it earlier. It's really just getting people back into their bodies to really, and not just the frame them, the body, but deep within themselves to really mm-hmm. get to that present moment. And when you're pr- living more consciously and consistently in your body, more present, mm-hmm. so your mind is more still and aware you're present to what you're thinking Mm -hmm. 
what you're feeling. And when you can kind of connect the two dots, you can actually then move through things and let it go. It's kind of like hide and seek when you don't know what you're holding on to. Like I didn't know I was holding on to rejection until my marriage ended. That was like the key thing. That was like the wake up call. Mm. And, you Mm -hmm. know, yeah. And, um, and, and that was kind of the pivot for me to, to realize like, wow, I was holding on to rejection. And so I just help people you know, guide there, give them tools to figure that out instead of, you know, being a marriage that ended it, it was working through that, you know, or being in an accident that created you to make that change, you know, going, getting bankruptcy before you realize, you know, whatever that situation may be for you, it's you to start to see what's happening inside to start to listen. That's very nice. That's great. And and catch it before you have to have that defining moment. Right. It's over. <laughs> yeah. Most people come to me because of they're in that moment and that's fine. But then yeah. it's like using that as a tool, like, you know, because most people think the divorce is, you know, or the marriage or the career ending is the, the mess. And it's really started right. way before that. I had a long time. That's, it's, it's been accumulating long before mm-hmm. that from your childhood, you feeling not good enough, you feeling unworthy right. or whatever the story you're taking now into your, yep. you know, your, your yeah. so my rejection in my marriage was a result of, you know, a five-year-old child wounded yeah. you know, when my parents teased me. And that's where the story came. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, that's um, and then and the universe, out. you know, God or universe showed mm-hmm. up in my life many times, you know, in hockey and yeah. you know, dating and business, you know, rejection, rejection. And I just kind of like, you know, put the shield up and just like protect her <laughs> yep, the absolutely. outside rim of or built yep. up a story around mm-hmm. it that we do. Like, you know, um for for dating women, I had created the story of like, you know, I watched the secrets. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make this, you know, impossible list. Mm-hmm. of like a girl so then i can't get rejected if, mm. if the girl doesn't meet my criteria criteria yes. i'll never get rejected interesting okay yeah right so i would yep. date a girl oh she likes cats cats are on my list of nose wow. you know oh she likes a dog a, a horse i remember meeting a super wonderful person but within like i don't know 15 minutes in the conversation she talked about liking horses and having horses and i was like oh well this is done and over with wow. <laughs> so i did I, I stopped listening to the conversation because it was like oh because yeah. it wasn't my it was on my list you know? on your list so i got two final questions mm-hmm. and then we'll let the audience know how to find you sure. so uh, qu- uh so you're you're chris you're going to speaking to chris the seven to ten year old chris and yep. you want to give him some advice about life what are you going to tell seven to ten year old chris yeah, that's a good one. I mean, there's so many things that, you know, I'd love to tell them. I guess really one is like learning never ends, you know, because um, I got to a point where I thought like you, you kind of, what what is there more to learn for about yourself, you know, like the growth, mm-hmm. you know, or or even if maybe the point that like, you know, just listen to your heart early on too. Like listen to, don't listen to other people, listen to what goes on inside. You know, that would right. be a good tool too. And the other one is coach, you know, get a, get a find a mentor, a coach, someone, right. not just for sports. Like you, we, you know, if we played as a kid, you played some kind of sport and you think, oh, the sport's done. Coaching's done. You know, whether that's a mentor, a, a friend that you can reach out to, you know, a coach, someone that yeah. helps you know, helps you along the way, guides you along the way, because just like the first one is like learning never ends. Well, how do you learn? Well, sometimes it takes 
some help from friends, some from, you know, a mentor or a coach, somebody to help guide you along the way. You can't, you know, be successful without it. You know, yeah. I don't care. You know, can't go it alone. Right. right. No, that's, that's a great, great advice. Okay. Now put your business hat on and you're talking to young entrepreneur, Chris, before he started out in business, what business advice are you going to give young entrepreneur, Chris? Again, yeah, again, it's like same idea. Like, ask for help. You know, as a, mm -hmm. as a you know, as a guy, sometimes you just you know, not to stereotype, but just mm -hmm. kind of do it yourself, and you kind of like, yeah. you know, you're gonna yeah. do it alone, and mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's okay. Even whether it's a marriage, you know, that was another thing. Had I had I known, like, you get married, you give up all your friends, you, or you mm -hmm. tend to, you know, you're, you yep, distance yourself because you got a the family man. You got yes, and same with business. You kind of like, oh, I'm gonna do this alone, mm -hmm. and you know, try to do it yourself. And right. um, there's so many people in this world that can help just as well as you can. And, mm -hmm. you know, and that would be, you know, a lesson of, and, and comparing, stop comparing yourself to other people. Uh, comparison is yeah. the root of all evil. It's not money. Right. <laughs> it's right. comparison. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You're just trying to compare yourself to a guy doing something similar, you know? Yep. Um, yeah. So absolutely. Those two. Well, very, very good advice. Yeah. All right. So there are going to be quite a few people in the audience who want to get more of Chris Belfry. So Chris, yeah. tell people how they can find you. Yeah, I'm on all social media, uh, Instagram, and I got you know over a hundred videos on YouTube. So just uh, Chris the Healer under YouTube. But if you just Google my name or even go to my website at uh, belfrywellness.com. I'll have all my social media too. You can connect and on my website, you can kind of go through and offer a free discovery call for someone who thinks, you know, Hey, you just want to talk to me, talk about your issue, you know, um, and see what, if I can help you for not, I would love to recommend someone that may, but anyone that's just even, you know, has questions with, with whatever they're at and, you know, need a little bit of direction. I would hopefully, you know, have them call me. Wonderful. Well, Chris, thanks again for coming on. I am grateful that you're in my Thank life. And yeah, uh, likewise. There's, a, there's good reasons why we met, my friend. So thanks again. Likewise. Yeah, thank you so much, Drew. Absolutely. All right. Take care, Chris. Yep. Bye now. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.